0: Trumpeting Zion, sound it on the mountains, throw the trumpeting zion, for the day on the Lord is come. Go a trumpeting zion, sound it
1: on the mountains. Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank zion. on the Remnant Call, and glad to have you back for another episode. Um we are going to be doing part two of our prophecies and mysteries. And I'm going to just tell you, folks, if you didn't hear part one, you're not going to get part two because part two is the culmination of what was started in part one. And I'm telling you, you've got to just stop right here, go back and listen to part one because we are going to be bringing to close what we talked about uh, in part one over in part two. And so, folks, I'm just, I can't rehash everything that was gone over, but please go back and listen because the book of Ruth in my opinion, it was one of the greatest books in the Bible. And it is key in also understanding Revelation chapter 5 and the scroll of destiny, the scroll that was sealed with seven seals, and that Yeshua, Jesus, He was the only one that was destined To open that scroll. Nobody in heaven could open that scroll except for the Lamb. And so, folks, in order to truly understand the kinsman redeemer, you've got to understand the book of Ruth. But we're going to talk about some of these things uh, that we mentioned in chapter one such as the uh, marriage that is getting ready to take place between uh, Boaz and Ruth. We talked about that in chapter 1, that that is, uh, in, in the first uh, part of this series, is that it was a forbidden marriage to happen, yet it took place. How could God allow this marriage to take place? Because the Moabites, according to the word in Deuteronomy, were were forbidden for ten generations, Deuteronomy twenty-three, three, and an Amorite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their tenth generation, shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever? We also talked about the sevenfold promise made by Ruth in the Bible, powerful promise. You're going to have to go back and listen to it. We also mentioned the difference between the use of the word uh, Yahweh, and when when Ruth is referring to Yahweh uh, specifically, and she switches over to El Shaddai, it has deep meaning, and you need to pick this up. We also talked about uh, the law of the Leverite marriage, or the Kinsman Redeemer, and coming up to marry up if if, uh, a family member was to die and you were to uh you should have a near kinsman the next in line if they couldn't do it the next after that to come in and raise up seed unto unto that person so we went over those things and now we're picking up here in chapter three but folks i can't stress enough you got to go back and check out those first chapters because they will tell a powerful story so leaving off in the end of chapter two, we started to see that picture of Jesus Yeshua being painted uh, through Boaz and, and that anti or that not the anti but the type of of Messiah we see that is being painted there and how Ruth just so happened onto his field. Well, we know it was divine uh, intervention and that this story in Ruth is being intricately woven throughout uh, the the holiness of God in His you can divine hand is literally guiding the steps that are happened during the during the time of harvest that is going on here and and so at the end of chapter 2 and verse 23 it says so she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law, and so Ruth was following the orders of Naomi to stay there and to be by her mother, or by, be by Boaz uh, through this harvest. So picking up in Ruth chapter 3, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray as we go through this study that we would begin to see the power of in the depth, the Rama word of God, Lord, the, the what's underneath, Lord, we see this, we see the the surface, the the literal, and we see the spiritual, but Lord, there's a Rama deeper word that is below the surface that we need to pick up, Lord, and I pray that you would reveal it, because I've asked it in your Son's precious name, Yeshua Jesus, Amen. Ruth chapter three, starting in verse one, then Naomi, her mother-in-law said unto her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee. So you can see right here that Naomi's now seeing what's going on here with this whole picture of Boaz. And I think she's starting to understand that maybe, maybe something is in the works here. And, And so she says back to her, Shall I not seek to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, seek rest for thee? And you got to understand this word, it has some deep meaning in in the Hebrew. It's Manoah. And and it it actually has the connotations of of like a settled spot. What she's saying is, may I find a home. I'm going to seek a place for you to live. Not just rest to be relaxed, but actually a home. The context actually has to do literally with marriage, a place where you would rest in uh, being married continuing in verse 2 and now is not Boaz of our kindred with those maidens thou wast behold he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor and so if you're not familiar with that process what they would do is they would kind of, they would go up onto like a saddleback and they would throw the grain up in the air and the wind would blow the grain down a little bit and the chaff would go farther away to be burned up And that was how they did the winnowing to separate the wheat uh, from the chaff. And after a hard day they would celebrate and the owners would then sleep with the grain to prevent theft at night. And so Naomi, knowing the history and how things worked in her native land, was telling her, listen, you need to be up there tonight. Verse 3 continue on, she says, Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee and put thy raiment upon thee and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking and it shall be when he lieth down and thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down and he will tell thee what thou shalt do and he she said unto her all that thou sayest unto me i will do And she went down under the floor, and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly, and covered his feet, and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid, and turned himself, and behold, a woman laid at his feet. Now, this is a very interesting story, very misunderstood. People have, a lot of times, no idea what this story actually means. But if you look here at this, you can see Ruth is listening to what her mother-in-law said to go down and lay down uh, at her feet. And, and you can see that I would be, too, in the middle of the night if someone was all of a sudden laying at my feet. It said that he turned himself, and the word in Hebrew is actually pot. And it means to take hold or to turn aside, to turn around. What the Bible's literally trying to say is that he was reaching back, trying to figure what in the world was down there at his feet. And uh, so verse nine continues, and he said, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art near kinsman. Now, to understand this story, you need to understand what is actually taking place here. She is actually propositioning him for marriage. That's what's happening. See, the Hebrew word for handmaid is hama, and the meaning is she is eligible for marriage. But she uncovers his feet, and then when he uh, realizes that and she begins to speak back, she then says to him to now cover her with the hem of his garment or his skirt. And And you might be wondering, what, what is that about? Well, in ancient times, you see, the skirt had to do with authority. And in ancient uh, times, in the military especially, uh, the rank of a family status was on the hem of their garment. In ancient Mesopotamia, cutting off someone's hem was a way to actually strip one of their authority. A husband could actually divorce his wife by cutting off the hem of her robe. A nobleman could authenticate his name on a clay tablet by pressing in his hem. Remember when David cut off Saul's hem? Remember that? Uh, Let's look at what the Bible actually says. Ezekiel 16, verse 8. Chapter 16, verse 8. Now, when I passed by thee, I looked upon thee. Behold, thy time was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee, and covered thy nakedness, yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, said the Lord God, and thou became mine, and here you can see that God, showing this ownership, spreads the hem of his garment over them to show that ownership and coming under his authority zachariah eight twenty three says this thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take a hold out of all languages of nations even take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew saying we will go with you for we have heard that God is with you that authority that they have and it's in the hem of the garment do you remember the woman with the issue of blood she knew the prophecy of the messiah and if and if and if Jesus truly who was who he said he was that there would be healing into his under his wings and so by grabbing the wings his authority said power Came from. Remember, the Lord said that he felt that power had left him because she had grabbed onto that authority and it healed her. There was healing in his wings and she was willing to come under God's authority. And it's interesting that it's at the feet of Jesus we find mercy. And we see this picture starting to be painted of where does Ruth go to find mercy? At the feet of Boaz. And she asks him to spread his garment out over her. Do you see this picture that's beginning to be painted of our life with Yeshua? That we are we are find we find mercy at the feet of the Almighty, and we ask him to spread his garment over us, his wings, as the Bible calls it, to cover us, so that his authority will be on us, because it's his mercy. And his protection and his healing that ends up covering us. Listen to what the Bible says. Psalm 91 uh, verses 2 through 4 says this. I will say unto the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings, his garment, the hem of his garment, under his wings, shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Deuteronomy twenty seven twenty. 20. Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife because he hath uncovered his father's skirt and all the people shall say amen. It was a shame to uncover his father's authority to reveal his nakedness that was supposed to be over his own wife. And here you are not to go in and do those things. So we see this amazing picture of the Messiah being painted through Boaz and Ruth being like us, coming for that mercy at the feet of Boaz, just like we do at the feet of Jesus. Continuing in verse 10, and he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, in so much as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich, and now my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am the near kinsman. How be it? There is a kinsman nearer than I, tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down unto the morning. So here you can see Boaz. Now think about it, he's human. He's just like every other man out there, right? Guys, you're a bachelor, and here comes a beautiful woman. You're older, and now this young, beautiful woman is laying down at your feet, uncovered. And this is an opportunity. He could have taken advantage of her. But he was more concerned about the things of God, about the holiness of God, than he was about pleasing his flesh. He was more concerned about doing what was right, even if it meant that he couldn't provide do the role of the, of the kinsman redeemer because there was somebody else that was closer. He was still going to do the right thing. The nobility of Boaz to follow the law over his own flesh. Verse 14 and she lay at his feet until the morning and she rose up before one could know another and he said let it not be known that a woman came into the floor also he said bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it and she went she held it and he measured 6 measures of barley and laid it on her and she went into the city now this is very interesting why was it six measures? Why did he pick six measures for how much barley to give? It appears actually to be a coded message that he was sending out there. Um, but the message was actually not for Ruth. The message was for Naomi. Continuing reading on. And verse 16, And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? Remember, it's dark, right? And she told her and all that the man had done to her. And she said, these six measures of barley gave he me, for he said, go to me, go not empty unto my mother-in-law. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until thou, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. She understands this is naomi not ruth naomi understands the code that was just sent for the six measures of barley now a lot of people have wondered what may this code be you know And, and, and let's look at this here what what had happened okay uh here's what we do know she stayed through the night but she left while it was still dark so nobody would know anything when she got home, it was still dark because Naomi had to ask her uh, who it was because she said, who is this, my daughter? She obviously couldn't see. So I start looking at this and I start wondering and looking at some people, others looked into this, when is the end of the day? Well, the end of the day is actually at evening, which is the beginning of the next day. So Naomi knows It will be done no later than sundown the following, or that day. Remember, she's coming home, and it's just about ready to daybreak, okay? But it began that day the night before. See, the evening and the morning were the first day. So it's sundown the night before began that day. And she's saying to him, don't worry, this man's not going to let it rest until it is finished that day. The best guesses insight into this seems to be that this was a reference to creation and the Sabbath. That there were six days, but that the seventh day would be the completion and the finish, and he would rest. She said, remember, he will not rest until this thing is done and that six barley's measures of barley was a signal saying that the six days of creation but the sabbath of rest was coming and he will have it completed by sundown for the rest i'm telling you these things are unbelievable praise god for the power of this so in trying to understand this we realize God was in control. Just like we know that there's a Sabbath every week, but there is another Sabbath that is coming for the rest that is going to happen in the future. And just like Boaz wasn't going to rest until it's finished, well, I'm telling you, our Lord is not resting until this thing is finished because it is going to be finishing soon, folks, in this world. And our Lord is going to do something about the wicked generation that we are living in at this present hour. So now we're getting into verse 4, and I tell you, folks, I'm, I'm going through this fast. There's so much more depth you can get into, but I want to bring this thing to a close uh, on this episode, something maybe you can go back and chew on some more of this, because we've got to wrap all these unbelievable things up, because we're getting ready to see some stuff happen that is absolutely going to be mind-blowing in the fourth chapter of Ruth. So starting in verse 1, then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there, and behold the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by and unto him, and he said, "Ho, oh, such a one! turn aside, sit down, and he turned aside and sat down now what's interesting is is that he's in the gate, and if you know anything about the gate back in that day, it was a place that judgment and business for the town was to be done right there in the gate that's where they they got together, and the elders and the judging and things like that were to happen. In Lamentations five fourteen, even says the elders have ceased from the gate, the young men from their music. They don't. They no longer judge at the gate. Jeremiah was talking about in the book of Lamentations. So he sees this one come in there, he says, "Hey man, hey you, yo yo, hey, come over here." He knew what he knew. His schedule. He knew he would be there, and he knew he needed to be at the place so he could get the task done. Verse two says this, and he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit ye down here, and they sat down. Now, this is interesting because actually this is called a minion in rabbinical literature. 10 men were required by Jewish law or in Jewish literature to be able to form a minion that could do this kind of judgment and make a call on uh, something that was going to happen back in the day. So he didn't just randomly pick 10 people for any reason. This was something that was a known practice. And in verse 3, it says, And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi, that is, come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advise thee, saying, But if therefore the inhabitants and before all the elders my people, if thou wilt redeem it, then, you know, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must also buy it, all, thou must, excuse me, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. So here, is that man who was rightfully the nearest kinsman redeemer, and he, he should have done it, but because of his desires of his own riches and inheritance and to do his own fleshly desires, he refused to do the things of God. Folks, I am I am concerned we are living in that exact same hour. Because of political correctness, because of pots being filled, uh, offering plates at, at the churches, the pastors refuse to say and preach and live the right thing because it may offend somebody and mar their own inheritance, meaning their own jobs. And he refused to do that which he was called to do. Verse seven says, "Now this man, this was the manner in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing." For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. This was also used as a symbol of a transaction that took place in those days. So that that's the practice that they would do. Therefore, in verse 8, it says, "...the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe, and Boaz said unto the elders and unto the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's, and all that was Chilon's and Malon's, and the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife." To raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren, and from the gate of his place ye are witnesses this day. Now, interesting enough, if you read that verse, who was the seed to be raised up in? Now remember, the law of the kinsman redeemer was very simple from the standpoint if you took on the role of the kinsman and redeemer, the firstborn child was to be raised up in the name of the one who died so that their name would not be cut off out of the land of Israel. And we're going to come back to that, continuing in verse 11, in all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephrathah and famous in Bethlehem, and let thy house be like the house of Pharaoh, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. Now this is very very interesting. Why would you go back to one of the most bizarre stories in the book of Genesis? The book, the story of Tamar and Judah. If you remember it, uh Judah's children were really a mess. Um uh you, if you remember all the things they died, they were just bad children and and so Tamar wanted Judah uh, her husband one of Judah's children died. He was supposed to uh, save his other uh, youngest son to be her uh, wife, to be her husband, but didn't do what he was supposed to do. And then so Tamar finally found out about it. She took off her widow's clothing. She dressed up like a harlot. Uh, Judah has come along, you know, his wife's gone. So he ends up having relations with her. And uh, next day he goes back to find her. She's not there. Long story short, he realizes that he had been duped but that he had done wrong because he was supposed to have saved his son to raise up the kinsman redeemer seed uh, with Tamar, and he didn't do that. And he actually said Tamar was more righteous than he was um, because he had failed to do what he was supposed to do. But to say that your house to be like the house of Fares just doesn't make a lot of sense unless you remember the story how Fares actually there was was a twin uh, Fares uh, and Zara which Zara means actually scarlet uh, but Fares means breach and so you remember that Zara actually put arm through first and then came back in and Fares actually broke through first and then prospered. And, and, and if you actually understand this, you'll know that Boaz was a direct descendant of Perez, and another famous mighty person was a descendant. You might remember his name. Caleb uh, was also there slaying the giants. You remember Caleb? Uh, what he had done with Joshua and all that stuff? I mean, it was just uh, powerful. And Perez was also known to have a, lo- a large, a lot of descendants. And, and he was to break forth and they're saying, I want you to be prosperous like Pharaoh's has been and to continue to break forth and to come forward out of the womb like he did more children to come forth and and this was a very interesting strange story but you realize that even though this was a messed up story God turned this into a blessing and we already know who we talked about in the first part was in the lineage of Yeshua well all of the it was so scandalous having Harlots and in, in his and in, and Ruth and 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 uh, you know all these different people in his lineage. Praise God that he took these these messed up individuals supposedly, and he brought his own son, showing that salvation can come from wherever God, through whomever the Lord decides. Nobody is unredeemable in the Lord's eyes. Hallelujah! So let your house be as the house of Perez. So Boaz took Ruth. And she was his wife, and they went in unto her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name be found, be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age, for thy daughter in law, which loveth thee which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And the women her neighbors gave, excuse me, and Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women her neighbors gave it a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi, not to Ruth, even though Ruth had it. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And there are gener. And these are the generations of Perez. Perez begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. Wow. Praise God. Let's start figuring this thing out. So remember, I said before, That the law of the kinsman redeemer was is that you were to have a child to be raised up in the name of the one who had died. So you can see here that they actually raised up this child unto Naomi. She actually helped raise the became the nurse to the child because the child was being raised up in Malon's or Malion's name, who was Ruth's first husband. Now, this is the interesting part. Malion was actually in the lineage of Yeshua, even though it's not named when the Bible does the genealogies, but because of the law of the kinsman redeemer, he is actually in the lineage of the Messiah. Now, here's the crazy thing. Malion who died in the land of Moab. Ruth was Ruth was so, excuse me, Naomi was so angry and upset. Her husband died. Her sons died. She had no idea that God actually had a supernatural process that was about to happen. And because of his death, he gets to be a part of the lineage of Jesus. Wow, I can't believe it. You got to understand this. Malion's death got him into the lineage of Jesus because of the law of the kinsman redeemer. See, folks, do you understand what's going on here? If he had not died, he would have never had a part. Folks, if we will not die, we will never have a part. But because of the law, the kinsman redeemer, because of that, what had happened, now he gets to be a part. Folks, I'm telling you right now when we are laid down our lives and decide we want to crucify the flesh and we want to be alive unto Christ and dead unto this world, we partake and we accept the gift of salvation. We get to be in the Savior's family the same way with Malon. It is a hidden message for us that are alive today to understand what it means to be dead to the flesh and alive unto the Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it gets deeper than that. I remember if I said earlier to begin with, from the beginning of the first lesson on the beginning of this lesson, that we needed to understand how this forbidden marriage could even take place. We had read in the book of Deuteronomy that the Moabitess and the Amorite was not allowed into the camp of the Lord under the 10th generation. How could it possibly be that Ruth, a Moabitess, could come in and marry Boaz? An Israelite. This was forbidden. How could it take place? I remember some years ago I was studying this, looking as I was troubled. I wanted to understand because God doesn't break His word. God doesn't. He doesn't mess with His law. He does things the right way. He keeps His word exactly. But how could He seem to have to have not only allowed this illegal marriage to happen, but the Messiah ends up coming through all these these you know people that may have been looked on at, at the time as horrible people. God ends up using prostitutes and harlots and, and, and pagan Moabites, you know, to bring down the lineage of Messiah. How could this be? I struggled. I wanted to know the truth. And then the Lord showed me the truth. Exodus chapter 12, verse 48 and nine says this. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and will keep the Passover of the Lord. Let all his males be circumcised. And let, them, let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. One law shall be to him that is a homeborn. And unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. Do you hear what that just said? If the stranger... If the pagan, if the person that is not an Israelite comes into the land and starts to do the things of God, keeps the Passover, does what the Lord asks him, he will become as one that is born of the land. The same law that applies to the homeborn, the one that was natural and the stranger will be identical because they will now be as one who was actually born in the land, even though they were a stranger. And even though Ruth was a curse, and for ten generations she was she was forbidden to come into the camp of the Lord. But because she said, I want your God to be my God in this mighty sevenfold process your people to be my people, and where you go, I will go. All this sevenfold process that she had proclaimed that she wanted to follow the Lord with all of her heart, Ruth becomes one of the earliest stories in the Bible of being born again. Hallelujah! It is mind-blowing to understand that God had a provision that no matter how bad you were, no matter how cursed you may have looked, no matter how much society may look down on you, if you will turn yourself to the Lord, if you will come back to Him, you can be as one that is born of the land, born in His kingdom, born by the Spirit, and even though the world may look down on you and say no that person is a failure and they cannot live up God says no I have made a provision that they can be with me in my kingdom forever hallelujah this so-called forbidden marriage had a provision that no matter how bad off you were you could still come praise God hallelujah hallelujah That the Lord would allow this miraculous thing to happen. That the accursed could come back into the land and be redeemed through the power of the kinsman, Redeemer. And this illegal marriage was now legalized because the Almighty had made such a provision. If Ruth, or Naomi, could have only understood what was taking place in her life. If she would have only could have understood that even though she lost her husband, she lost her sons, it didn't matter. God had a provision that he was going to take care of everything. He had it all under control and not only was he going to have it under control but he was going to raise up some seed that arguably is the most important characters in the Bible because you know when he talked about the house of Pharaohs well Pharaohs was actually a bastard and the bastard was also banned for 10 generations and if you looked at that what has happened if you notice the lineage where did it end up? King David and King David was exactly 10 generations from Pharaohs and that's where the true kingship that came from the line of Judah started in Israel. Saul was a temporary because King David was not ready yet, but that the word of the Lord could be fulfilled that the kings would come from Judah. King David fulfilling it right at the exact 10th generation. Oh, Folks, it just, it just keeps blowing the mind more and more and more as we look into this powerful story. It's a picture of the Messiah who has come down to the forbidden, to the accursed, to that which the world deems is unsavable. And he covers them because they find mercy at his feet. And he invites them to the wedding supper in marriage. And when we, folks, we accept his cup, the proposal cup, when you take communion, that is actually understood from ancient times all the way back to Rebecca. At the well, when you take the cup and you accept the proposal, now we are standing as a a chaste bride, awaiting for our Savior, for the brides, for the groomsmen to come because the wedding supper is about to take place. And the gorgeous picture of redemption and salvation in the book of Ruth is one of the most amazing stories in the entire Bible. So what about you, friend? What about you? Are you struggling? Are you worried about the hour that we're in? Are you concerned that maybe you haven't lived up? Maybe you've become like that moab. Maybe you're like that cursed thing that doesn't feel like you have a place in the camp of the Lord anymore. That's a lie from the devil. Because if you come back and you repent, and you cry out. He is faithful. He's just to forgive. The Lord doesn't want to see anyone perish. That's what he says in his word. It's not his desire that any should perish, that, but all would come under repentance. Is that you? Do you feel like Ruth? that you're a Moabitess. Maybe for a moment you were like Orpa, and you turned back to your people, but, but then the Lord keeps calling you back. And folks, I'm trying to tell you, when you feel this emptiness, when you feel this, uh, I'm not living up, folks, that God has not departed from you. That's the Holy Spirit working on you and convicting you and trying to draw and woo you back to Him. God is calling His people back in this hour. And the book of Ruth is one of the most powerful stories of God's love for his people. This is Brother Frank, and I want to encourage you. Don't give up on God because he's not given up on you. And when you feel like Naomi... When you feel like the Lord has sent you, the Almighty El Shaddai, the provider, has sent you out full and brought you back empty, uh, don't, don't listen to the lies of the devil. Because it's at the moment that you feel at your lowest that the kinsman redeemer shows up and reminds you that his blood is good enough. It is good enough to save the most wicked of all sinners. It is good enough for you and for me. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 says this, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us unto God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. By his blood, friend, he has redeemed you. Out of every tongue, kindred, and nation. That means nobody, nobody who wants to come has to miss out. Everybody, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, anybody who wants to come can come. And if you're the one right now that felt like you can't, folks, that's not true, because God is saying, come. Out of every tribe, nation, tongue, sinner, no matter what you've been, murderer, it doesn't matter. If you want to come, come. Because his blood will redeem. Keep looking up. Keep in prayer. This thing is coming to a close, folks. The kinsman redeemer is about to return. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom.
0: i